draft utopia chris ransom along with orange sherry here we do have um a lot of news to get to we'll get to the chicago bears draft outlook later in the show where we'll break down the bears they did sign all their draft picks yeah how are you guys doing out there in this uh, father's day uh, weekend uh shout out to all the fathers uh, of course uh and uh, now let's uh, get it right into it. Hey, Chris? Yeah, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, as you said. And it's a big weekend coming up with Father's Day. I almost went on a, a trip to Oregon where I would have been river rafting, where there would have been no Wi-Fi. But things broke apart at the end. But, you know, let's get started. And a cornerback signed his rookie deal with the Carolina that's J.C. Horn, the eighth pick in the draft. He was the highest draft pick this week to sign his rookie deal. And that's oh, J.C. Horn. Yeah, South Carolina corner. Right, right. I um, yeah, let's you know that's a good signing for them. Uh, and I did like that pickup that they got. I was kind of unexpected they were going to get him. Um, in the draft, but I I do like that. Uh, he, you know, we'll see what happens down in Carolina. Yep. Got some more news. I got a lot of news topics. I'm going to try to uh, limit the news topics to a minute or two minutes tops because we got a lot of things we want to go over. Um, yeah, the um, media well, is no want- longer allowed to film Lamar Jackson throwing at Ravens practice. Lamar Jackson was on the cover of Madden 21, and we'll get to the Madden 22 cover announcement in just a few minutes, but this is such a ridiculous story. The media not being allowed to film Lamar Jackson throwing at Ravens practice. The Baltimore Ravens have outlawed it. That... I had to take a few seconds to make fun of the ridiculousness of this story. It's like, really? You're going to keep media members from filming Lamar Jackson at practice? I mean, you do have the legal right to do so, but it's just a very ridiculous subject that you are going to get made fun of for, Baltimore. I'm sorry. It's just... Really, it's 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 an interesting uh, thing, but you know, it comes down to it. I like sometimes if you're the Ravens coaches, you know, you need to get give your give a chance to those to your stars to not be shown by too many people. You know, you how do you keep things outside the media today? It's really really hard when you come down to it. You really can't, you know, you go 20 years ago, even, even less, probably you didn't have the internet. You didn't have all these ways and different uh, ways that they can modify how they're working out. It's really not nobody else's business until it comes to the preseason in my book, how, how, how your team is doing when they started doing all these shows on HBO and blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, I never, never really liked that. It's nice for the fans, but for, uh, you know, mainly for the fans that they're doing that, I get it. Um, But in all aspects, you cannot hide things from the inside 
of what teams are doing in, in practice. Now I played, you know, uh, college, I mean, college baseball and I played a uh, high school football and I'm going to tell you, Chris, you, if you cannot hide yourself from others, like, you know, media, how are you, media contributes to what the, if you can see what the other team's doing, it, that's just hides it. It's, you're not hiding anything. Nothing is secret. So it's just a whole development. I think Lamar Jackson needs to have to have a very strong season. And, and I kind of agree with the Ravens on this topic. Yeah, it's definitely a controversial topic to say the least. But they do have the legal right to make it illegal for people to film Lamar Jackson. You know, we'll see what happens. If Lamar has another career year, that's awesome. I mean, the Ravens do have a lot of weapons for Lamar Jackson, so it's going to be a very interesting season for the Baltimore Ravens coming up. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely de- definitely on both ends. I do uh, agree on, on both ends, you know, and I guess, but you know what, if, look, for example, um, look, if Cam Newton... You know, you're a Patriots fan, correct? Yeah. If the media wanted to be all over Cam Newton to see if he is going to lose or win the job, which he's probably going to be the quarterback, at least in the beginning, there is no way that the Patriots either would want the media to be there every day. Yeah. And that's all I'm saying. That's true, and what the Patriots do is they allow the media to f- watch the practices, but and film the film clips of the practices. But they they have like a one, they have a thing where the media can ask Belichick questions once a week, and Belichick will answer those questions. So there are some benefits and privileges to being a member of the Patriots media. Yeah, that's this is this is the thing is that's that's really the topic that I'm heading at, and uh, it's just I think it's the same for any star player. Now you know, but when they bring a player, now I saw a, a story earlier. As you know, I'm a Raiders fan, and I saw a story earlier this week, and I don't know where these guys get this stuff because they're not from the mainstream media; they're bloggers. And they talk about Damian Arnett. And it's like Damian Arnett is not getting along with Gruden or something kind of thing like that. Or is he going to be around? And I'm like, what are these people bringing this stuff up? I, I saw a tweet this morning about Damone Arnett from The Athletic. I was just going to ask you about him. I know this is off topic as far as our news topics go. But I just saw something about Damone Arnett on The Athletic this morning. And they're saying, yeah, he's a no-show, he's this, he's that. But Orrin went into far greater detail on the Damone Arnett situation than I could have anticipated. And this is a corner I had a third-round grade on a year ago. So I'm not surprised to see this unraveled, but at the same time, it's like, damn, he's this far behind on things this offseason. It's a little concerning. It's not a deal breaker yet because we're not at training camp. But yeah, I mean, there's no mandatory training camp right now, folks. 
he knows how to play. It's not like, you know, and sometimes a lot of people still haven't shown up. A lot of these star players, believe it or not, in every camp have not shown up. So uh, I think everybody's everything's going to come along. Um, but I just, the media or other people, if there's nothing big, big happening, love to little pick on things, you know? It's like the dance continues with Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we have Aaron Rodgers. So far, he's not going anywhere. He's probably not going to go anywhere, folks. I think it's a big to-do that we they put off this offseason because to settle for a trade for a top quarterback in this league is unimaginable. unimaginable. Yes, there were reports that the Packers were going to move Rodgers to the Raiders for Derek Carr, but Derek Carr shut that down quickly by saying he'd rather retire than play for any team besides the Raiders. So, and I gotta, I gotta give Carr all the credit in the world for wanting to commit to the Raiders. So exactly, you know, and it's just, it's just a whole uh, topic that we can get into with the um, with uh, Rogers. You know, all right. But let let me move to another quarterback since we're talking about, and I know you have a lot to get to. How about Chicago when they signed Andy Dalton? And then they signed Justin Fields, or they—I don't know—the Justin Fields signed yet. By the way, he the Bears signed all their rookies. This is one of the oh, topics. Yeah. Okay, let's to get to the topic here, since I'm talking about the Bears. So, I guess this week, Chicago signed all their draft picks, but they also made the ten million dollars earlier with Andy Dalton. Trubinsky left. And now they have Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is presumed to be the starter, according to their coach. That's right. And, and do you like that decision? Um. Yeah, I. For now, he's presumed to be the starter. For now, now if Justin Fields comes into training camp, earns the respect of his teammates, plays well in the preseason, that could change. And Justin Fields was originally listed as the third-string quarterback on their depth chart, according to our lads. But now, as of now, he has surpassed Nick Foles. Like, he's already been so good in mini camps that he has already surpassed Nick Foles to move up to second string. So, it's Andy Dalton versus Justin Fields, folks. And I'm going to talk about this and the Bears draft picks a little bit later because I do want to revisit this main topic. Okay, sounds good. Let's uh, let's get into your next topic. All right. So the next topic, the final NFL news story I've got before I've got a barrage of um, I've got some news stories and other topics. But the final NFL news story was the Madden 22 cover announcement. And after Lamar Jackson, um, after we talked about Lamar Jackson, I was going to transition into the Madden cover announcement because Lamar was on the cover of Madden 21. Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes will split the Madden 22 cover. Mahomes was on Madden 20. Tom Brady, I think, was on Madden 17 or Madden 18. I can't remember which Madden it was because I know the Patriots had Brady and Gronkowski on the Madden cover in back-to-back years. Right. That's true. So Brady now on the cover as a Buccaneer and Mahomes. They're splitting the cover. Um. It's an interesting um it's interesting how they 
got Brady and Mahomes to split the cover because this is the first time two athletes have split the Madden cover since 2010 when Larry Fitzgerald and Troy Polavalu were both on the cover after Super Bowl 43. Well, this is my version. They both been there. I mean, you had um, that they, they do. I, I they usually put the loser, or they used to put the loser of the Super Bowl MVP kind of person. They they I think Mahomes um, was he on there before? Yeah, he was on there in two thousand twenty. Well, there you go. So really, they didn't want to repeat the same guy. They had. They had uh they had and they had Brady already. So what were they gonna do? They could throw a third place person in, but they didn't. So they decided to put those guys together. I don't agree with the decision, but what could they do? That's their kind of method. The funny thing is if Tom Brady hadn't signed with the Buccaneers and won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay, this wouldn't have worked at all. This concept would not have worked at all. Right, right. <laughs> And I just feel that um, they it's the last time you're going to see these both guys on the cover, no matter what. Yeah. Um, and even if they go again at the Super Bowl, I just feel whoever's in third or fourth place will get the cover. You know, but I think what they should do on, on the behalf of men and Madden, I feel they need to do a different aspect. It's nice to have the Super Bowl or Super Bowl runner-up um, champion. Or to... the regular season MVP, because it was Mahomes and Lamar Jackson were regular season MVPs in there before they got the cover, because Lamar wins regular season MVP, Madden cover. Mahomes won regular season MVP, Madden cover. Or start doing the defense. But they don't put defense too many players on the defense. They put Paul Malu on the cover. They put Peyton Hillis on the cover after he was a fullback with the Browns. They put Favre on the cover the year they he got the year that he signed with the Jets. They put him on the cover, and then uh, that's really what kept the men from putting Aaron Rodgers on the cover because Aaron Rodgers was in the conversation to be on the Madden cover, but. Yeah. We didn't know if he was going to stay with Green Bay or get traded. Um, there were rumors that Derrick Henry was on the cover. I'd imagine if Derrick Henry is another 2,000-yard season with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones at receiver after losing his offensive coordinator, I would imagine he would be one of the players in heavy consideration for the Madden cover. Well, you know, if you're taking it, you know, you look at the odds, like, of the Super Bowl right now. You know, yes, of course, if the Titans go, the Derrick Henry will be there. Um, if the Bills go, you have different perspectives coming. You have the Bills, the Titans, the Rams, the Niners, Packers, Aaron Rodgers, I think, but been on it, too. But I just feel there'll be somebody else that we have not seen, you know, like Hill or, or Henry. You know, um, you know, or, or, or uh, you know, you uh, Stafford, I don't ever think he'd he been on it either. I think it's going to depend on if a team can dethrone the Chiefs this year. That's really what it's going to come down to. That's what will decide who gets the man cover. If the Derrick Henry 
Nick Chubb, if the Browns go the distance, I'm thinking if it's the Bills, it's either got to be Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs. I'd love to see a defensive player on the cover, but the reality is with all the offensive players that have been on the cover in recent years, it's probably going to be an offensive player. Okay, some news here. Um, The Jack Adams Award for NHL Coach of the Year goes to Rod Brindamore. He had a great season. I mean, they finished first in their division. They got to the second round and lost the Tampa Bay Lightning. I wouldn't call that the biggest story, though. Um, Probably the two biggest stories as far as coaching goes is Gerard Gallant got hired by the New York Rangers. Gallant was the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights when they got to the Stanley Cup in 2018. But they fired him in 2020 after a poor start. The Rangers hired Gerard Gallant. And Gallant did lose to Peter DeBoer in the playoffs, who's now coaching Vegas when DeBoer was on San Jose. And the last NHL news story, um, Montreal Canadiens head coach Dominique Ducharme tested positive for COVID hours before game three. And Vegas was out shooting Montreal. It was like 30 to 8 in shots on goal at one point. Yet the Canadians were still able to win in overtime without their head coach. Just like the Browns when they beat the Steelers without Stefanski. So, yeah. Montreal does lead that series over Vegas 2-1 to one right now. I'm not going to get into any more NHL details. Well, yeah, yeah, yesterday, Florida Panthers' Alexander Barkov wins his first Silk Award, uh, Trophy Award. That was announced uh, yesterday evening. Um, I, I, you know, a great player on his end. Yeah, him and Nate McKinnon were the number one and number two picks in the 2013 NHL entry draft. And McKinnon's <laughs> been great with the Colorado Avalanche. Barkov has been just as fantastic with the Florida Panthers being promoted to team captain back in 2016, and he wins his first Silk Award for Panthers. They are my dark horse to make the 2022 Stanley Cup at this point. They, Yeah, I, I but I'm not going to get into that right now. Do you want to go um, over the schedule really quick of the Stanley Cup? Well, the first three games are going to be, uh, you know, uh, already happened. Um yeah, Tampa but, leads the Islanders two games to one, and Montreal leads Vegas two games to one. Um, Tampa Bay does play the um, Islanders tonight at 8 Eastern on USA. That's game four for Nassau Coliseum where the Islanders play. And then game four of Vegas versus Montreal will be tomorrow night on NBCSN because of the Olympic trials being held on NBC. That's why that game is not being held on NBC, rather NBCSN. And then Game 5, Islanders-Lightning is Monday. Game 5 of um, Montreal-Vegas is Tuesday. Game 6 of Lightning-Islanders would be Wednesday, assuming things hold up. Assuming we get a 2-2 series. Um, If Vegas wins tonight, Vegas wins on Sunday or Tuesday, then Game 6 would be Thursday on USA. And then Game 7 would be NBCSN on June 25th. And then June 26th would be Game 7 of Montreal versus Vegas. But either way, regardless of how each series pans out, Stanley Cup Finals are expected to start on July 1st, 2021. That is the day that the Stanley Cup Finals are expected to start. So 
Both teams will have a good amount of rest before the start of the Stanley Cup Finals. Okay, let me uh, let's uh, move to NBA really quick. Unbelievable game last night. Clippers actually pulled it off. Will advance to play the Suns. Wow, unbelievable! So the other Los Angeles team actually uh, beat the Jazz last night, one thirteen to one oh six. Yeah, and Tyron Lue was able to rally this team, um, a team that blew a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets a year ago. This time they avoid the Nuggets, they get the Jazz, and Phoenix is able to sweep the Nuggets out of the play. And a few weeks ago when Joey and I broke down the NBA playoffs, we both picked the Phoenix Suns to win the Western Conference outright. And Game 7 are going on in the NBA. Um Game sevens are going to be – there's two game sevens in the Eastern Conference, and that's not surprising because I think the Eastern Conference is extremely evenly matched. You've got four teams with really good starting fives in the 76ers, the Hawks, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Milwaukee Bucks. The Nets-Bucks game seven from Brooklyn. And then tomorrow night is game seven of Hawks versus 76ers. But I'll get to the NBA news here. I, I like the Bucks and Sixers in Game 7, but here's the news with the NBA. Um, Al Horford has been traded back to the Boston Celtics in exchange for um, So the Thunder get Kemba Walker, the Celtics' starting point guard, who was a member of the Charlotte Hornets for many years, and the 16th pick in this year's NBA draft. The Boston Celtics get Al Horford. From the Thunder, and they get UCLA former UCLA Bruins center Moses Brown. I do not understand this trade from either team's perspective. If I'm being completely honest, yeah. So we'll we'll see. You know what happens uh, with that. And but you know the good thing about this. But the other thing, I mean, I can I can debate about the NBA a while, but I won't do that on today's show. Um, I. I the good thing is, in uh, aspects, we're giving the NBA has decided to give fans of other teams a little glance because there'll be no uh, Los Angeles Lakers, no San Antonio Spurs, no Golden State on the West, and a couple of other teams on the East do not exist in these uh, finals, like Miami and so on. That these guys been up and down the last yeah, 10 years. Either the Suns or the Clippers, neither one of those teams has won a single NBA championship. And the last time we saw two teams without an NBA championship play in the NBA Finals was 1978 when the Washington Bullets defeated the Seattle Supersonics. Neither team had a championship at the time. And if the Brooklyn Nets played the Suns or the Clippers in the NBA Finals, it would mark the first time since 1978 where both teams in the NBA Finals had zero championships in franchise history. Yeah, but, you know, you can't say too much when they form these super teams, but, but yes. <laughs> it's, giving a, it's, giving, it's giving another – when they form a super team, they form a super team. That's the way I, li- I see it. Not like I hate the NBA, but they are forming these super teams they weren't allowed to do 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that that's that's the issue with the NBA. I can get into another detail, but yeah, I've got one more story we're going to get to before we get to a few baseball's headlines. Rick Carlisle has resigned as the Mavericks head coach. 
He chose to do this by choice. Mark Cuban and the Mavericks wanted him back, but he chose to resign. And he's been the coach of the Mavericks since they won their first and only championship back in 2011. So he's had a heck of a run. And I'm not sure how this is going to affect Luka Doncic and the Mavericks moving forward. But I would imagine the Mavericks are probably one of the more attractive coaching spots at the moment with Carlisle not returning. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, we'll see, see what happens. You know, uh, you know, Cuban is a fun owner to watch. And I'm sure he's going to get a great coach uh, to follow up with that. Uh, and the Mavericks do need it. They deserve it. Yeah, um, well, let's let's get uh, uh, two headlines and then we'll get into the Bears draft outlook. Maybe talk College World Series at the end. But I, Josh Allen, he threw the first pitch at the Yankees-Blue Jays game. I'm not sure I consider that a baseball news story or an NFL news story, but Josh Allen, he did throw the first pitch the Yankees-Blue Jays game. and Because the Blue Jays are playing in Buffalo due to COVID. Just want to throw that out there. The Blue Jays, Toronto Blue Jays are playing in Buffalo due to COVID. The Raptors had to play in uh, Miami due to COVID. So That's interesting how they're not even allowed to go to Canada. And Canada has less population. But maybe the Canada doesn't want the people from the States. <laughs> Yeah, but, like, Canada has the hockey teams playing during COVID, but they don't have the Raptors or the Blue Jays playing in Canada due to COVID, but they're allowing the hockey teams to play there. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, so that's – and the final news story, Angels back. Slash pitcher Shohei Otani has announced he's participating in the 2021 Home Run Derby. That's cool because this year's MLB draft is going to be coinciding with the All-Star Game in Colorado. And Shohei Otani's a great candidate for the Home Run Derby. He will make the Home Run Derby that much more exciting. And I think this is a cool... uh, this is a big a household name for the home run derby. It's always a you can get a household name like Otani to participate in the home run derby. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I haven't watched the home run derby in quite some time. Um, I remember, it used to be very exciting when you have big home run hitters, and then it just got to be a little bit off. But maybe I'm just getting old. <laughs> Yeah, when you had Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa before they got busted for steroids, the Home Run Derby was a treat to watch. And putting Otane in the Home Run Derby kind of reminds me of where the MLB was 20 years ago when they had those two players in their prime. It probably is the best Home Run Derby. This could be the best Home Run Derby since that 1998 season when those two just went off Sosa and Maguire. But, yeah, so that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's really exciting to put it, things into perspective uh, always when it comes down to it. You know, we had, didn't even have an all-star uh, game last year. So to get all these back to normal slowly, slowly, and it, it is um, 
you know, it's very nice to see people's faces again a little bit, you know, um, and, uh, you know, you probably some people are still covered up in your city, but, uh, uh, you know, it's nice to get out and do the things that we used to do. And uh, I think it's coming back to normal. And that's that's nice that we can all go to a game again and, and watch our favorite team. Yep. And the Chicago Bears have signed all seven of their draft picks. And now is the part where we're going to break that down. But before we do that, I do have one more storyline with the because you mentioned Andy Dalton at the beginning of the show, and we'll get we'll revisit the Andy Dalton Justin Fields top topic. But before we do, Jake Butt, the former Denver Broncos backup tight end, is signed a deal with the Chicago Bears, one year deal. So just wanted to throw that Jake Butt in there. And on that note. We'll uh, transition. Well, let, let's let's go to. Well, we know who the first round pick is, but let's go. I, I think we should start the topic by going backwards, kind of, because we because the, the we talk about more of the people who are the starters or are going to be a starter. So let's start with a uh, Chris Tonga, the defensive tackle from BYU. He was a seventh round draft pick. Actually, it was Seattle's pick uh, originally, but. I do like this signing, um, and uh, I think he'll be a, a, um, a player that's a good depth player for many years. Yeah. Iris Tonga's a great backup nose tackle for Eddie Goldman, and the Bears already have a really good starting nose tackle in Eddie Goldman. But Tonga is somebody who can take pressure off of Goldman so that he doesn't have to be this three-down, four-down nose tackle. And Goldman can play three-downs and four-downs at a high level. But this gives you the luxury of only playing Goldman for two to three downs instead of three to four downs. And then you have Tonga as that rotational guy. At, so it's a good it's a good pick. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we have uh, the, the last – they actually had three – uh, basically packages for the six rounders and that the six rounder that was picked right before uh, Tonga, that is the cornerback uh, Oregon Thomas Graham Jr. He was the last pick in the sixth round of the draft and the Bears <laughs> did not draft a cornerback up until this point in the draft. And, and they yeah, lost Fuller, they lost Buster Screen. They lost um, Artie Burns. They lost three corners. But this was a guy that um, I had a fourth-round grade on him. Pro Football Focus had him as the 76th best prospect in the entire draft, and the Bears got him at 228. So not only could this pick be a future starter at the very best, at the very worst, you're looking at a serviceable depth player. Yeah, I mean, Thomas Graham has a relatively athleticism, very high agility. I like his – he's a good tackler. He, he's coming with the tools that he could possess, maybe not in his rookie year, but he could become a complete corner, um, you know, with good coaching. And I do see he, he has uh, – you know, with good coaching, he could become one of the a – great, a great corner, even knowing he's a six-rounder. Yep. And 221, the Bears got a wide receiver, Daz Newsom from North Carolina. I think I had like a 
fifth round grade on Daz Newsom. Yeah, I remember. I remember talking about him a little bit in our uh, mock drafts or something. Uh, I do recall that name. Um, draft special day three of the draft, our yearly draft special that we cover, because this guy was a fourth or fifth round grade on my board, and this is a great pick for the Chicago Bears to get him, and. I think this is going to be a great pick for the Chicago Bears down the road. Worst case scenario, you're getting a special teams player. Best case scenario, you're getting a starting receiver down the road. Correct. And that's great to have. It's great depth, and he's at least going to start playing special teams right away. Yep. And I think their first six-round pick was Khalil Herbert, the running back. Um and he, he he's a gem in this uh, sixth round, Virginia Tech running back. Um, I do like his schemes. You know, sometimes you get lucky on a running back in the later rounds, so he could turn out to be a pretty good player. There were a few running backs I think I had graded ahead of him when the Bears picked him. But to be fair, I had a fourth-round grade on Khalil Herbert. So this is not a pick you can give the Bears crap for because it's a great value pick, and you get him as a depth player behind David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. And you also have Damian Williams, the former chief, on a one-year deal, too. So right now, <coughs> maybe a practice squad player. But at the same time, I think you're probably I think the Bears go into the season with either three or four running backs on the depth chart if uh, – Herbert cannot make the top three on the depth chart. I think he would start out on special teams, just like Daz Newsom. Maybe not as a return specialist, but as like a blocker or like an additional, um, a guy who can recover onside kicks or something like that. Yeah, I mean, he'll, I think he's, you know, you might be surprised, you know, running backs, you know, he's a pretty strong running back. He does have good speed. Um, he knows how to change the direction pretty smoothly. He will be a backup running back. But if he could prove to it, you know, he may be a third down back as well. He's a big guy. So so with a very strong legs, and I do see him uh, staying in the league quite some time. Yep. Next up is Larry Borum. I thought this was probably Chicago's worst, worst pick. pick. I, went back, <laughs> I went back and watched Borum's film after the draft because – after Charles Leno, the left tackle, Charles Leno Jr. was the left tackle of the Chicago Bears, but he got cut right after the draft, which threw me off because the Bears lost. They chose to cut Bobby Massey, who was a free agent. They chose not to bring Bobby Massey back at right tackle, and they cut Leno after the draft, which. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I projected this guy as a day three to undrafted. He gets picked up as a day three pick in the fifth round, but seventh round pick or or, or undrafted is where I I have him. Yeah. So, and I just feel that that was totally it was not in my top twenty offensive tackle rankings. But to be fair, I did go back and watch his film after the draft because. Um, when Lino got cut, people were saying Larry Borm's going to start at right tackle right away. And 
his right tackle tape at Missouri was just awful. If yeah. the Bears start this guy in week one, throw him into the fire, it's going to be a disaster for David Montgomery and who's ever quarterback, whether it's Andy Dalton or Justin Fields. Um, the other offensive tackle they drafted in the second round is a lot better than Larry Bourne. That's a guy I think we both had a late first round grade on in Tevin Jenkins. Yeah, I got you got to love this guy. Great pickup in the, the 39th pick. Uh, and I do like this pick, Trayvon Jenkins. We had him about going around that area maybe a little bit earlier. I think we had him going. Uh, uh, that was one the one that we had. I think uh, going to the Raiders possibly um, at uh, at their pick, uh, but they went with Alex Leatherwood. Um, great signing. I do like this. He will start from the get go at the right tackle position. I think he'll play left tackle now. Lino, but if the Bears had cut Lino. He'd be a day one starter at right tackle. But with Lino being cut, I think he's now a day one starter at left tackle. But we'll see. Yeah, definitely. The Bears got a starter at offensive tackle. So worst case scenario, you're getting a starting right tackle. Best case scenario, you're getting a starting left tackle. With Borum, I see a career backup at either tackle or guard. But with – Tevin Jenkins, I see an immediate starter at right tackle or left tackle. Either way, it's a good pick. And yeah, I mean, I, I never knew I could go into that forum deal, but there were so many picks available still, and they went with forum. But you know what? I, I, I realized they didn't even pick up a defensive pick till later in the sixth round, too. But anyway, and we Bears to- cut Lino, so they, they're positioning both rookies to start right out of the gate. Jenkins at left tackle and Borum at right tackle because they cut both of their um, offensive tackles from their 2020 team. That, that would be horrible. Um, but anyway, that will give no protection to the future. Justin Fields, <laughs> who uh, will learn a little bit from Dalton. I, I think he sits out at least the first four or five games um, unless Dalton gets injured. Uh, but I do see uh, Justin Fields being in the uh, being in the quarterback position for many years and making Chicago strong again, which was missing from the Trubinsky era. And I do like the pick at eleven. Bears have three preseason games against the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Titans. Those teams have really good defenses. I just. I don't see Justin Fields doing enough against those defenses. Even if those defenses rest their starters, I don't see him doing enough against those three defenses to win the starting job right out of the gate. And if he does win the starting job, he'd be placed in a horrible situation where he has to face the Rams on Sunday night football. I I think Dalton's going to start the first two games, the Bears game and the game against the Bengals. And the game against the Browns as well. Those three games, I think Justin Fields will come in by week four against the Lions on October 3rd. Maybe week five against the Raiders in Las Vegas or week six against the Packers. Because the Packers game is a home game. I think Justin Fields' debut will be on October 3rd against the Lions. I'm going to predict that right now. Week four. That'll be his debut because I don't see the Bears 
I think Andy Dalton plays at least the first three games against the, the Rams defense, the Bengals is the former team, and the Browns, who have a stingy defense. And then after that, they if the Bears are 0-3, they play Fields in Week 4. If they win one of those games against the Rams, Bengals, or uh, Browns, then I think Dalton continues as the starter until Week 6 when Justin Fields and the Bears would host the Green Bay Packers in Week 6. And I think the latest Fields would start is Week 8. That week, the 49ers head to Chicago to take on the Bears on Halloween. And I could see Trey Lance making his debut in Week 8, too, if Garoppolo is injured again or if... uh, Because they want to play Garoppolo outright the entire season if they can. But if Garoppolo gets off to a poor starter, he gets injured again, Trey Lance would assume the responsibilities as a starter. But I could honestly see both Lance and Fields playing by week eight on Halloween. But that's going to be a very interesting situation. So anywhere between weeks four and eight is where I'm expecting Fields to make his starting debut. And I'm guessing it'll be either against the Lions, the Packers, or the 49ers at home, Warren. Thoughts yeah, I mean, that, that is true. I do. We'll see what happens here, but it's definitely uh, definitely a change to see what what's going to happen in that sense. And, uh, you know, we'll go from there. You know, we'll see what happens. And uh, we'll uh, – uh, I totally agree. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens, usually those quarterbacks, because we know the only sure thing is starting – you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, the guy in Jacksonville, and that's Trevor Lawrence. And Zach Wilson, the Jets yeah. pick. That's, that's true, because they don't even have a quarterback. That's true. The Jets have three quarterbacks with zero career NFL starts. Not one, not two, but three quarterbacks with zero career starts. And that's why there are rumors about them trading for Gardner Minshew are heating up. Right. Well, let's see what all all this amounts to. It's going to still be a fun little off season we're getting into, and uh, we'll uh, definitely address it when um, when everything comes closer. All right, that's for sure. So the call, uh, well, last topic I've got for today, um, unless you've got some final topics, is the College World Series that is starting today. Tonight, we're down to eight teams. Um, Stanford plays North Carolina State, which has catcher Luca Tresh and North Carolina State. Vanderbilt plays Arizona. Vanderbilt won the College World Series in 2019 before COVID-19 canceled the 2020 College World Series. I think Vanderbilt repeats. Um, they are the overwhelming favorite. Five picks at pitcher and Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, both projected to go in the top five of this year's MLB draft. Um, Tennessee faces Virginia. Um, Texas has Ty Madden. They play Mississippi State on uh, Sunday um, with four games. Every game is either going to be on ESPN, ESPN2, or ESPNU. So MLB teams that have uh, get, will get a chance. The MLB draft's not till July 11th. So MLB teams will get a chance to watch these games. Their scouting departments will get a chance to watch these games on ESPN, ESPN2, or scout them in person if they can. So 
We'll find out who wins the College World Series, but I'm taking Vanderbilt over Texas. I know uh, Clay Travis of Outkick picked Vanderbilt over Tennessee. I could see that happening, too, because um, Tennessee is the highest-ranked team left in the tournament. Now that the number one overall seed, Arkansas, got eliminated by North Carolina State. But I think Vanderbilt finds a way to win their second College World Series in three years. And barring COVID, the asterisk COVID left, Vanderbilt would repeat since they are the defending champs from 2019. So I think Vanderbilt finds a way to repeat with their talent on display. But yeah, the men's college world series, the other events in sports right now, you've got the Olympic trials on Sunday night on NBC and you've got the U S open a golf tournament going on today and tomorrow. So yeah, I mean, it's a crazy weekend in sports, but you got Stanley cup, NBA game sevens, U.S. Open, College World Series, and you got all these fun, exciting events on Father's Day weekend. So, yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely happening. You guys, uh, I know it's a forty-five minute show, but I'm thinking we're just just chit chatting right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have anything else to add to this forty-five minute show, unless you want to add something. Uh, I think I just. Uh, um, you know, just uh, you got everybody have a fun Sunday tomorrow. And, uh, enjoy being with your dad, or uh, you know, if your dad has passed. You know, give him all the blessings. Um, dads are important in today's life of everybody. And uh, yeah, y'all have a good, great Dad's Day. Yep, Father's Day. Yep. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye.